0: They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shoot shit, shoot shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey everybody and welcome back to Shooting the Shit with Chippa. The show that is incredibly popular and I can't stop getting people that want to be on it. Particularly people that want to be back on it. So apparently people enjoy doing this as much as I do. And with that I'd like to reintroduce my guest for the second time. Andy Rodriguez, how you doing, buddy? Hey,
1: I'm doing great, man. And you?
0: I'm doing fantastic.
1: Fantastic.
0: Uh, Woo. It finally got got hot out. It finally got hot out here. It's been rainy and cold, and it's July.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, it is finally warm out here. Like, it's raining tonight, but it's still, like, in the 70s. And it's, like, thank God. It's that warm. (laughs) because we only have like 2 months of summer here. Yeah, it used to be.
0: I remember being a kid and we'd get the you know, it's New England, right? So we right. but but this particular area because I'm right on the ocean, we used to get hit with the most brutal winters. Like right. like tens of feet of snow, you know, on the ground after a couple of storms. Like you know, right. it was like, it was like upstate Maine, you right. know, even though it's right outside of Boston. And then In the summertime in like May, it would be 98 degrees and it wouldn't stop being that way until September. And now, and now we get like a month and a half of hot weather and then a crappy winter where it barely snows and then just this like bland, like low 60 degree, like spring fall for the rest (laughs) of the year. And it's Awful, like, cause it's like I when it's the summertime, I like to go out and be outdoors and have it be warm, not rainy and cold.
1: Yeah, yeah, same. I am a I'm a complete summer person. Yeah. So I like I I enjoy the hot weather. Like it's you know probably my my Puerto Rican uh build as well as you know my Texan upbringing. So it just makes me suited for this. And being up here is just like, ah, uh, great.
0: just That's great. Because
1: awesome. it's like, ah, oh man, he, being here is like, winter starts in like friggin' October. And it doesn't oh. until like friggin' April or May.
0: Yeah, that sucks. I, yeah. I like the winter, but I like a month of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I love the snow. I love taking my kids out in the snow. But... I'd be happy if it was like half of January and half of February and then it went away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> wouldn't that be ideal? Cause like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like this fucking state turned into Mad Max in February. It was just like when we had that f- apocalyptic snowstorm. Oh yeah. It just like dumped here. God, it was a nightmare. You know, I, the second day that I ha- was at a new job uh, was when that just massive snowstorm hit. And I'm like, I'm going to die before I get to my second day of work here. Oh, jeez. There That's was just, <laughs> yeah, no lanes on the highway. People just, like, driving past each other. Probably, like, someone jumping on top of their car, just screaming, like, witness me! Uh <laughs> Why is everybody running around with silver spray paint? Uh, You know, it's pretty wild. I just like people are jumping out of the sunroofs. Like for some reason they have sunroofs in Minnesota. Just like screaming about like a fury road. And like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, all these people that you never knew had them have robotic appendages.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And they all seem to be made out of like grease paint and like (laughs) scrap metal
0: oh and also you have those cirque du soleil dancers in town
1: yeah yeah and the occasional just like guitarists like standing on top of a flatbed
0: occasional yeah so minnesota sounds fun
1: oh man it's you know it's really nice when it isn't trying to kill you
0: yeah (laughs) like australia
1: basically except it's like the lakes decide oh we're gonna disappear into the air and then come crashing down frozen
0: yeah that's that's a horrifying image
1: yeah yeah it's really wonderful i was born here and my parents left when i was like two and now coming back here i can see why
0: yeah yeah i've just been here my whole life
1: well, it's nice to have one place to grow up in. Yeah, I've, I tra- I've
0: traveled, but I've been here my whole life, and it's interesting. I'm I'm glad, you know, we had nice weather. I You know, my family paid a landscaper to actually, you know, my, my yard is pretty big for the area. It's not a big yard for, you mm-hmm. know, but for the area, you know, people get, like, maybe a little patch of grass, and I have, like, a quarter acre.
1: Oh, so nice. that's a nice. decent
0: amount of space, and I'm right on a pond, so... There's a lot, lot of greenery and it's a lot of upkeep and I have two kids. So this spring was nasty and rainy. So my family for father's day got us a landscaper. Um, oh. for, so we had a big, beautiful cleanup today That's and everything, so all the weeds are gone. All the debris and fallen trees are gone.
1: That it's is so
0: wonderful. Good. Oh, it's just, can we have a birthday party for our son in a couple weeks? So it's going to be great to go outside and not have to spend a week cleaning Very up ni- debris.
1: Very nice. It. Very nice. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Oh, it's, just, it's been one of those like slow
0: start summers. Like in, in March it got really warm. And so I just refinanced my house and
1: mm-hmm. decided to
0: put a float on the end of my dock with a kayak launch. Okay. And like, I was all pumped to like use that like every weekend and every day before work. And it's just been a shit storm. Of mm-hmm. like rain and just awful weather and it's like finally a good weekend. So I got to do yes. that. It was great. Nice. But but anyway, we're we're here to talk about other stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. though I
0: do I absolutely love talking to you, man. So it, it it's, it's not good, hard at all.
1: It's a good rapport.
0: But but anyhow, um I would like to start off with the icebreaker. We'll play another round of right quote wrong movie because this thing is taken off and people love it. All and right. I'm sure and I'm sure you like it, and I gave you fresh quotes. And um, then we'll get into uh, the cool surprise thing that we have for people tonight. A little bit of a change up, something different. So, All right. All right. So I'm actually going to have you pick the movie numbers for the rounds now instead of me predetermining them with random numbers. So give me a number between three and one hundred and forty five, if you will. Three
1: and one hundred and forty five. Let's go with seventy two. Seventy two is picked
0: often. Really? Uh, it's just that number, and I don't even remember what movie it is, and it is Star Wars.
1: Oh, nice, nice, nice,
0: nice. Nice. And um, so I'm assuming, because I'm the one that made the list, that that means A New Hope, which was originally just called Flat Out Star Wars. And I, I have a,
1: it's the assumption I made.
0: Yes, and I have a Star Wars quote in my mix, so I'll be sure not to use that. Okay. So throw, so throw a quote at me.
1: All right. My quote will be, running's not a plan. Running's what you do when a plan fails. Tremors.
0: Oh, that's perfect. Um, I'm going to use this quote because it applies directly to the uh, scene in um, the cantina there. Uh, Leave the limbs you lost. Those belong to me now. (laughs) Star Wars. (laughs) I don't know. I, I think yours is still better.
1: Uh, mine is very Death Star scene. Very yours is... topical, and yours yeah. is very Cantina. I'm very, I'm very torn on this one.
0: Oh, maybe we'll call that one a draw. I'm okay with calling it a draw. All right. So round two, three to one forty-five. All
1: right. Um, let's go with thirty-three. Gattaca. I am not familiar with that movie.
0: It's a sci-fi movie, but we can pick another one. Pick another number.
1: Okay, let's go with, uh, let's see, 117. Whoa.
0: Army of Darkness.
1: Nice. Nice. I have an Army of Darkness quote, but I'll pass it on.
0: Okay. All right.
1: All right. So, let me see here. Okay, I got a quote. Go for it. You are one ugly motherfucker predator. <laughs>
0: All right. Um I'm gonna go with ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck,
1: <laughs> Army of <laughs>
0: Darkness. <laughs> I think yours wins.
1: Uh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: but I just I I love that Aladdin. I really clone. like that. All right, so one to you, one more, sir. Three to one forty-five.
1: All right, let's go. Let's go with one forty-five.
0: Ooh, I don't even know what that could be. Wall Street.
1: Wall Street. Okay. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Let's see. All right, so for Wall Street. I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum.
0: Nice. Nice. I think you've definitely got this round, but because I'd love to see how this quote, particularly in how it was used in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, would apply in Wall Street. Ooh, what a lovely tea party! Wall <laughs> Street. <laughs> <laughs> As when it's all over, I want you to say, "Ooh, what a lovely tea party!" <laughs> Jesus, you've seen that? Have you seen Jane and, and Bob Strike back?
1: I have, I have. Oh
0: God, I love that movie. <laughs>
1: oh man, I haven't seen it in a long time, but
0: I, was, I need um, to
1: rewatch it.
0: That was what's his name from the Drew Carey show. Uh, he was a, he was he was a guard at um at miramax studios and when he catches them he's like oh crap this guard's probably totally going to make you blow him despite what you may have heard not everyone in the in my industry is gay (laughs) (laughs) he's like oh fine how about i blow him while you watch (laughs) all right and when it's all over say oh what a lovely tea party oh man (laughs) it's so fucking wrong (laughs) anyway so everybody Uh, that's right quote wrong movie again which doesn't cease to make people laugh so um with that, uh, you know, really quickly, I got to do my housekeeping where I say the names of the people who give me $15 or more a month on Patreon. That's Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, my mom. Hi, mom. And Hugh K. Campbell Jr. And um, also welcome my new patron from just uh, last week, Mark Gadosh. Um, he's the one of them, I haven't had a new patron in a while, so that's pretty awesome. And um, I've been doing ad reads for uh, some other shows, but I'm going to do an ad read for myself. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by the TalkBuster Podcast Live in Salem, Massachusetts, on August twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, at one in the afternoon. It's twenty one plus because they serve alcohol all willy nilly and free, like over there. Not free, but you know, oh, it's a lot of it. Nice. Wouldn't that be nice? But um, it's going to be awesome. Um, it's five dollars online, ten dollars at the door. You're going to see me and a whole bunch of people that I worked at the Salem Blockbuster with all um, talk and do an episode of the show. We're going to play right quote, wrong movie with the crowd. We're going to do movie trivia with prizes. We're going to have door prizes. And then we're going to do a Q&A for the second half where you get to ask us anything you ever want. So Talkbuster podcast live Salem mass in August. If you can make it come on out. And if you come far enough, I'll buy you a drink. Anyway, (laughs) um, with that, um, Andy, um, last time we talked about a show you used to do on college radio um, called spoiler alert and, um, let us turn the, uh, shooting the shit with Chippa tonight into an episode of spoiler alert. So give us an intro, my friend.
1: All right. So welcome to spoiler alert tonight, folks. I am Andy Rodriguez, and I am here with the ever wonderful, ever insightful Chris Chipman. And we're going to talk about uh, whatever topics that we uh, find on this list that we consider interesting enough to talk about. Woohoo!
0: Topics.
1: So, yeah, topics. I love topics.
0: Oh, and real quick before you, you go into a topic, you were talking about that you were drinking a Who Garden tonight.
1: Yes, yes. And I was
0: drinking a Sam Adams Porch Rocker, which is not as tasty as a Who Garden, but it's pretty good. So I don't know if you recall, but last time we talked, I may have told you a story about how InBev, the company that distributes Who Garden in the United States,
1: yes.
0: they also distribute Chimay, um, okay. sponsored an event for a conference I went to with college, and they did a hospitality night.
1: Okay. And
0: one year I went and that hospitality night was Who Garden. So a beer that you could drink a lot of because it's a Belgian white and not Yes, and it tastes good. (laughs) It tastes good and you're drinking a good beer. And you also can have, you know, four or five of them without, you know, making an ass out of yourself. Well, the next year they did Chimay, and I told the story on the last show, but I thought because it was in Bev that it was the same alcohol content as Who Garden. And so Mm. I had five or six 22-ounce glasses of it.
1: Oh, okay. All right, all right. And I got
0: and I got lost in a construction site in the middle of Orlando. Nice, nice. Yeah, it, and there was more than that. but So from now on, oh, when we went to that conference, I just drank the Hoogart.
1: Nice. I used to live in Orlando. I wouldn't get lost there.
0: It's really funny, dude. We were at the House of Blues on International Drive. Okay. Which... Was a one mile walk straight down a straight road Mm -hmm. to the Gaylord Hotel. Okay. Golf, which I was staying at. And I somehow took four and a half hours to walk that mile.
1: (laughs) Oh my God.
0: It was a bad time. Howl at the Moon was involved. Um, (laughs) Good
1: times. Good times. Yeah, it was a
0: good night. But anyway, so sorry. I just, I promised you I'd tell that story. So back, (laughs) back to. Spoiler alert.
1: All right, so hello. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. So I think we're just going to take a look at the topic list here and just talk about stuff that sounds interesting and that we feel like we could, you know, get a good good, good bit of conversation out of. Let's go for it. I'm All ready. right. All right. Cool, 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 cool. So uh, one of the topics that I mentioned before we really got into this was, uh, why first weekend box office means nothing.
0: I like that one.
1: Yeah. So we could get into that if you want to talk about it.
0: Yeah. So, um, oh man. Um, well there's, it's a two-sided thing because we see movies like, um, particularly in the horror genre that, um, this has become um, way less of an importance for, you know, it used to be that, you know, horror had its, you know, fall October runs. And if the movie didn't, you know, make three times its budget on its opening weekend, it was considered a failure. And then horror has kind of moved its way into summertime where Mm -hmm. instead of having giant horror October style opening weekends, it kind of becomes a supplement for um, people that are looking for something other than superhero action in the normal summer fair. Yeah, some movies, yeah. So movies like Get Out and Us and yeah,
1: um, Child's
0: Play can have you know can have a six million dollar budget, have a fifteen million dollar opening weekend. Which, if you put that against a Transformers movie, people would think is garbage. But then go on to make $150, $200 dollars in its whole runtime.
1: Right, so, right. There's something. Uh, I distinctly we talked about it last time. Um, what's the movie? Don't breathe. I distinctly yeah. remember that came out in the summer because I remember that came out when I was in college, and um, yeah, like that was a summer movie and it was decently popular. Like it made its money, um, but yeah, like there's just this way like horror movies totally like th- th- I we should probably stipulate why like people care I guess about first week in box office and it's the way like there's this weird way in which like people who are into movies will talk about like oh this movie made 115 million dollars opening weekend it made 90 million 40 million 200 million opening weekend um and like that is a way to talk about blockbusters so to say right um but like the way in which this conversation gets like transplanted onto every single possible film that comes out just totally doesn't make sense. Especially as you were talking about horror movies where like, so like we are definitely in a time of like very plentiful, very cheaply produced horror movies that are like still solid horror movies. Like they're still very handsomely made. Like get out was made like on a shoestring budget. Um, but yeah, like, these movies don't really fall into that conversation, so to say, even though people try to pigeonhole success in those terms.
0: Right. You, you got a movie that costs, you know, $180 million to make. Of course it needs to throw a big number up on opening weekend, or it's out of the conversation. But you've got something, maybe even in the same genre, or not in the same genre, that could make, you know, that amount of money in its whole theatrical run and have kind of like a slow, you know, maybe might open at number five, but then stays number five for every week and stays out for three months. Right. You know? And I, right. those movies don't get talked about. It, it's the same thing with like a Rotten Tomatoes score. You know, I, is as good of a gauge as that can be for the general public on, okay, I was on the fence. Oh, a lot of people really like it. Maybe I'll go and see it that still you could have a 99% that was 99% but all reviews the people that gave it a C plus.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's my, that's like, I, I so often get frustrated as well with the conversation around Rotten Tomatoes because it's very much, it's an aggregate of how much are people positive on this, not necessarily the overall quality of the movie itself. Right.
0: And and I think that can, you know, it it kind of falls into a similar ballpark of people want, people want to shoehorn in um, one particular metric that they can use all the time. Right. Imagine if they did it in sports. Like, imagine if, like, your team, (laughs) you know, statistically was only based on, like, well, it. you know, the only way a football team can be good is if their quarterback is a perfect quarterback.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: You can have the best quarterback in the world and the team can suck, man. Like, yeah, I,
1: <laughs> like, it's, you know, determining if, like, you know, every baseball player on the team has to have a high batting average or they all fucking suck. Like, that's not how that works. Like, fundamentally, like, you're using the wrong metrics to apply it to the entire situation and it just doesn't make sense to evaluate things in that way.
0: And I I like that movies seem to be Swaying back into at least more attention is being given to the, um, the stamina run movies that are consistently getting decent amount of people in seats and aren't necessarily the biggest thing in town every weekend they come out. Um, John wick is a good example of those, right? Like it's getting the third movie finally had a giant opening weekend, right? Right. For, for an R rated action movie. But that wasn't the case with the first and second one, right? They right. had you know 40, fifty million dollar opening weekends, which are incredibly good. but For they're being released...
1: action movies. yeah, yeah but yeah. they're
0: being released in the summertime, so it's number three, it's opening weekend.
1: Yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah, and it's just... and those movies have relied on building a fan base. Uh, in their own way uh, over the, the old-fashioned way yeah word of just mouth. like yeah word of mouth like the the movies review well um they review well they get good word of mouth um they cast well and ultimately it ends up with like people being like fuck yeah like I'm going to go out this weekend to see John Wick 3 Parabellum opening weekend. I still haven't seen it, but I'll I'll get around to it eventually. Same um year. you know. But yeah, like that's you know, that's just how some movies work. Um another movie I was thinking of recently was uh Shazam. Um Shazam was um not a low budget movie, but um necessarily but low budget by superhero movie terms. And and Shazam was a a movie of stamina. Yeah, it was a ninety million dollar movie, which, you know, if anybody knows superhero movie budgets, that's way on the low end, especially for one of the big studio movies. Um like especially
0: when you put it into example, I think Sam Raimi's Spider-Man One was a hundred and thirty million dollar movie.
1: Yeah, and Spider Man three, I believe uh, the budget by that time bloated to nearly 300 million in and that's, 2007.
0: And that's a 10 year, 11 year old movie, right? So it's yeah. it, for, for them, for them to make, um, you know, Shazam now for $90 million, that's the equivalent of that. That's a television show season budget almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's like, kind of They just
1: did Swamp Thing. I think the one that was just canceled for like 80 million.
0: Yes, they did for one season. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was a very handsome looking TV show. Oh,
0: it, it was probably one of the best looking superhero TV shows I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I've been meaning to, you know, finally get on the DC Universe app because they just released the second half of Young Justice season three. And I'm a huge fan of Young Justice. So glad that they well, brought it back for a season three.
0: For, for example, for example, we talk about opening weekend box office, right? Yeah. Avatar. Avatar is still, uh, I think Endgame will hit it. I think Endgame may have beat it, it
1: for original
0: theatrical one num- numbers, but but Avatar was re-released. Avatar's yeah. opening weekend was $77 million. It almost wasn't number one, it's opening weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, it was- and when you think,
0: it was a $237 million movie okay right. in, in 2009 that's the equivalent of like a 450 million dollar movie right now yeah right?
1: it just had insane legs
0: and in, and that's what i'm talking about i think we're getting we're starting to sway back i think more people are going to the movies consistently again i don't mean like showing up on opening weekend but i just find movie theaters you hear about like date nights and stuff happening a lot more at them. And I think, I think we're coming over that hump of it for a while. It looked like they were going to disappear. It it, it was, it was looking like the blockbuster way for me. And I think, I think it's kind of calmed down a little bit. Um, And I see, you know, they, they kind of redid the theaters. So it's more about comfort and more about, you know, it being a luxury, Right, which
1: was kind of a necessary thing. And I
0: like that about it. But but I think because of that, I think they're anticipating that the demand is going to be a more less people are seeing it the day it comes out and more people are going to see it over time.
1: Right, right.
0: And so, yeah, I I think I think your argument is a damn good one. um, Yeah, yeah. Because because we're seeing it in almost every Except for the big blockbusters.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like and even for the big blockbusters, like opening weekend isn't always the most important thing because you need to have at least somewhat decent legs. There's almost no opening weekend that can make enough money to recuperate any large blockbusters budget nowadays. I mean
0: look look what happened to Godzilla King of the Monsters, a movie I absolutely adore. And it did terrible
1: yeah and I've like i I've been meaning to go see that in theaters, and I just keep pushing it off and off because oh, I you should you go, know, dude i I really, really want to uh but I just have been pushing it off um but I think that speaks to a lot of things. Another movie was uh that I was thinking about was uh Batman versus superman uh, mm-hmm. number you know number number one that weekend. Uh, ended up grossing in the end in like the $700 million range or so, which for a movie that was that expensive and which they marketed as intensely as that, like they marketed the shit out of Batman v. Superman.
0: Yes, they did.
1: It should have made more than $700 million. It should have hit the billion dollar mark, but it didn't. Yeah ultimately that movie just didn't have legs because of poor word of mouth and poor reviews. Yep. So yeah, opening weekend box office it's a really dumb metric to talk about movies.
0: It really is. Yeah, cuz it it can't save them. Um you I mean so, sometimes it is a really good um but but I think sometimes it's just a really good view of how if a movie's going to have legs or not like i i feel like i feel like you can if you kind of combine opening weekend box office and word of mouth like not even not even cinema score because cinema score is a stupid metric too um but like word of mouth you know if you if if the word on the street is like a john wick movie it's like you know they they make one and it it did it the way that movies are supposed to do it it's not all pre-marketing that gets people in the seats it's people going and saying, holy crap, this is something different. This is something amazing. I'm going to tell my 10 friends that would we'll also enjoy this. And I mean, look, the, the new child's play is doing really well.
1: Yeah. It's doing pretty solid. And was it a Blumhouse film?
0: Yeah. It, it, okay. I'm pretty sure it is. Cause okay. they, they're geniuses as far as marketing and producing. I horror mean, films they are.
1: make like every horror movie that a 24 doesn't make. Right. From what I understand. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're like the number one at this game. Like, Happy Death Day doesn't have to be number one at the box office for it to be a really solid success.
0: That's like, that's another great example of a movie that just had fantastic legs.
1: Yeah, because you know it had a good concept. Uh, eventually, people are gonna be like, hey, like this movie. Like the thing that convinced me to go to it was people being like, oh, this movie, it's a horror comedy. And I was like, "Oh, I did not get that at all from the trailers." Like, yeah, yeah, and like I went to see it, and like it was one of the most pleasant surprises I had in theaters in a long time.
0: It felt like a movie that was like left over from the '90s, mm-hmm. and I mean that out of full respect for it. Like it, yeah. it felt like something that would have happened in the fallout of like the Scream boom.
1: Yeah, that just yeah, just
0: never that they just never made.
1: It it felt like it would have been like a very, one of the more well-liked follow-ups to Scream yeah, in like terms they, of people messing with the genre.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that. And, um Final Destination was another cool one. Right. I, I, I loved that series because it's just like death as an actual villain in a horror movie, like full-on death. Right. And like Happy Death Day played with that, and um, I haven't seen the sequel yet. But I guess the sequel like staked a claim for its own by being a, deciding it was a sci-fi
1: movie. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it either yet. But uh, <laughs> which yeah. is just
0: bonkers.
1: Yeah, and like I mean, another thing is like how many of these movies will probably end up on streaming and end up making good bit of change that way by getting some sort of deal with Netflix or whatnot yeah so anyways basically what i want to say is any single metric to try and measure the success of a movie is usually not enough and will usually seem like kind of a dumb way of measuring it in the long term
0: and i like i always like the fun ways they play with it too like number one children's
1: animated digital film
0: starring a dog in 2019 yeah you're like okay guys come on you're number 10 just like right
1: (laughs) right like okay so uh if you know we're the we're the 13th highest grossing animated picture of all time but if you put the stipulation that we are the uh only one to star you know this 80s action movie star uh (laughs) in a supporting role we could really bump ourselves up to number one and you know a whole office of board members goes like yeah 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 yeah
0: that makes us sound great more people will buy it when it comes on on dvd yeah
1: this is totally a selling point that people are definitely interested in and not just like a weird niche thing that will get shared by five people on Twitter. <laughs> so
0: what uh what do you got next for us?
1: <laughs> okay, so um That was
0: fun by the way. I like someone else coming up with the topics. This yeah, is good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I miss doing this. Um, so let's see. Uh do 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 so. Um, we could talk a little bit about, uh, niche satire on the internet. If you're familiar with like some of those more niche websites, like Reductress, Point and Clickbait, Clickhole, Starwipe. I'm
0: I'm familiar with Clickhole. So are they, are they like list type websites or is it more like Onion type satire?
1: So Clickhole is a satire of like your listicle plus feed type websites.
0: Yeah, throw it. why let, let's see let's see if my brain catches on. You, yeah. you you start this topic. I'm sure I've seen this stuff, but let Yeah, let's sure.
1: See. So like there's been this, you know, I don't I am not totally familiar with how old some of these websites are. Um but there's and you know, I've been seeing more and more of these websites that basically function as like the Onion but for an even more like niche uh website, journal, magazine, uh sort of thing. And I've found that, you know, like really fun and interesting cuz there's a way in which that connects with a certain audience in a really fun way. Like uh one of them is called uh Reductress, which is this website that kind of parodies a lot of um uh like women's magazines. It, you know, sometimes it pokes fun at like um your your cosmopolitans or your jezebels and stuff like that and like it just has you know these really ridiculous headlines um i'm just gonna like look up reductress right now and see if i can pull you know a fun headline of theirs i just Uh,
0: pulled a great one from clickhole (laughs) that says (laughs) heartbreaking Ellen DeGeneres is trying to give away $500,000 to every fan who comments amen on a poorly spelled Facebook post, but everyone thinks it's a scam.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I like
0: this. I I, I have seen this. I like this a lot.
1: Yeah. Reductress and stuff like, uh, this woman has her mother's trauma or breaking hot person on the train. Or, if all student loan debt is cancelled, how will I have an automatic advantage over my peers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, it's... TV fans rejoice! The cast of Friends reunited to form a giant mech suit to battle a colossal lizard attacking Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's a way in which, like, uh, I'm gonna look up pointing clickbait because they, they poke a lot of fun at a lot of um, you know, your gamer websites and stuff. And if anything can be done more, it's poking fun at bad gaming journalism.
0: Yes, I completely uh, agree.
1: You know, let's see,
0: like all of the interviews at E three this year.
1: Did you oh, watch
0: any of these?
1: Uh, not a ton of them because I'm. E three is kind of just hard to watch anymore.
0: Yeah, I just, I happened to be home and they were like, oh, the EA something or other is going to be on. And I'm like, cool, I'll tune into one of these live. I've never watched one of these live. And the designers were like all really interesting people to listen to talk. I have no idea how they don't just punch these people that are interviewing them. It Like, I get people, I don't get it, but I guess I understand that people have formed a brand where they have to be... influencers right in, in their youtube videos but when you interview somebody you can't interview them like a jackass mm. do you know what i mean like the loud like in their face like arm moving catchphrasey i'm like i'm listening to it
1: and they go let the guy talk about his freaking work do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> you know there's there's a way in which like video game journalism never really operates in the same way that like other professional fields of journalism, like even the the easiest and most direct comparison would be like you know movie sites and movie journals, uh, and magazines. And like you know, if somebody gets a chance to like interview a director, I cannot imagine that behavior. Like, happen- right. yeah, like be, people generally don't act like that in in general. So it's it's really strange to see that happen, and, and it's just like what what is what is wrong with this medium in general that you know even the professionals so to say cannot act so
0: yeah it's very weird
1: so i pulled up pointing and clickbait and i'm looking at their website and you know they have some fun articles here some fun headlines like powerful the protagonist of this shooter will say this is bad every time he kills an unnamed foreigner <laughs> Or Nintendo denies the existence of Wet Browser. <laughs>
0: New fears that violent shooting simulators may encourage children to gamble.
1: Oh God! Oh my God! Oh man!
0: That's, I wish I had gone down this rabbit hole sooner.
1: It's uh, that's a little on the pulse there.
0: Overwatch team successfully argues that there's nothing in the rulebook against a dog playing the games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. This man binge-watched the entirety of Evangelion, and he still doesn't understand depression.
0: Bethesda draws flack for not explicitly thanking Nazi fans. <laughs> uh,
1: that's. Jesus. I think that's too close to the truth. That sounds too real! <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that is just, like, a few... <laughs> like. If you word that a bit, that's a real headline.
0: Here's, here's the perfect one. <clears throat> YouTube's 4,891 strikes in your out policy claims another victim.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Femin- <laughs> Feminism win. Tit slasher 12 will let you play as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> This poor
0: gentleman's finances have been crippled. He was a prominent right-wing firebrand who committed only, only four thousand eight hundred and ninety-one repeated incidents of racism, sex, rape threats, and hate.
1: Oh God. Oh that's, uh, that's too on the nose. Yeah, so like I I love these websites. I I love this form of incredibly niche satire. And I really, and I, I think about, you know, I, I like most of these websites better than, you know, The Onion itself. And you, and it may be because they are a more niche. They do, like, narrow in on a specific topic or a specific, you know, sort of thing that you're familiar with that you don't really get to see, like, the funhouse Mirror version of.
0: Sub Zero gets spine ripped out during rally for fair work conditions at Netherrealm.
1: Oh, <laughs> CD Projekt Red celebrates successful E3 by allowing workers to only work twelve hours on Monday. Oh no! That's mm, that's that's a little a little too close. Oh boy! Oh
0: Jesus! This is just mean. Riot Games asks harassed women developers to get on mic and prove they are women.
1: Oh, no. Inclusivity win. This white man in the new Call of Duty will be named after an Asian woman. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, Basically, the game is (laughs) strange.
0: Five French new wave classics you must watch before Avengers Endgame. (laughs) sorry i'm done
1: <laughs> so yeah um basically the video game industry is an embarrassment and uh it's not good it's not it's good It's an
0: embarrassment and we should be allowed to poke fun at it as much as we
1: want basically basically and like you know i i am very careful to tread on like you know, dunking on, um, on like in general, you know, journalism and especially journalism, because that gets very close to like being kind of dog whistly and a little too close to like gamer gatey. And I, I am always very hesitant to go there, but like, there's also a very, you know, awkward way in which, um, a lot of, you know, so-called professionals operate in the industry in terms of how they act towards, uh, developers and, you know, mostly developers. I don't care about the publishers as much, um, cause the publishers are mostly terrible. Um, right. It's when it,
0: it's, it's how, it's how it affects the person in the trenches.
1: Right. That, that's right. what I care about. Right. Like the actual people who have to make the games, you know, as pointing clickbait makes plenty of jokes about like there is a lot of issues in the video game industry in terms of crunch in terms of you know mistreatment of developers and the way in which like the jokes are centered around that and around the mistreatment of a lot of people is sort of the stuff that needs to be drawn attention to more than right
0: I- it's 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 kind of doing what the the earlier days um, not not the earliest earliest days of the daily show, which was more of like a Ripley's Believe It or Not, of strange news stories. But right. when the the John Stewart days, where it was, you know, they were reporting on real news, but doing it by making light and making ridiculousness out of how silly and dumb all of it was. So you could make, you know, a story that's so unbelievable that points you at oh no this person's really really a nasty person and, and so you're right where instead of instead of making a joke that makes the person who's being undermined look like a fool they are making up a half true story with a headline that's half true to draw light to the actual fact that these people are being overworked and something should be done about this. And if it's allowed to go on unchecked, it could become as ridiculous. It's, it's got like a black mirror kind of thing to it.
1: Right. Right. Like the satire is always aimed at you being like, Oh, you know, that's funny. Cause it's true. Yep. It's, you know, it's unfortunate that that's true. Um, you know, it's, it, it's the kind of stuff that, Makes you laugh at it and then like think, oh man, like we probably should get to a point where this isn't a like a horrifying pitch black joke. Yes. So yeah, like that's I I love that's that's why I love this form of niche satire and why like I I just I I love that it exists. I love that. It, it's here to just bring these specific ideas to light. And like, you know, even with like stuff like click hole where it's not necessarily like as biting, you know, just the way in which like you get to see like this thing that's so very rarely, um, you know, poked at, you know, in the weird specific ways that it's odd. Uh, getting to see that is really wonderful.
0: And I I like that they all brandish themselves to look like the type of real crap website yeah. that they're making fun of. Like their the, the way their um the way their articles pop up and the way that it's organized looks like, you know, these throw together quickly, you know, list style um right. people people magazine esque um video game sites. Yeah. Oh, sorry, us weekly esque, should I say, is more yeah. of more the term. Cool, man. All right. Have we uh, have we done the niche thing?
1: Yeah, the... yeah. I think we we've said what we wanted to say on this.
0: Dude, I'm I'm gl- I'm glad you pointed me to more of them because I, I love that stuff.
1: Uh they're super fun. I love these sites. Uh
0: all right, what's and... uh... Let's keep going on the list. And and by all means, I would love to have you keep coming back on if you keep <laughs> having topics and we can we can bring your show back to life if you want. Yeah, <laughs> this I, is fun.
1: It, it is oh man, I'm very happy to be doing this again. Maybe I I'll... feel like
0: we should have like cheesy college radio breaks, like and now a forty five minute um random <laughs> noise solo from Dave Matthews while you all get stoned. All and... right, back to you, Andy.
1: Brought to you by our local Ruby Tuesdays. Ruby Tuesdays with their fried fish filet. Come down here on Ruby Tuesday for happy hour for $2 draft beers and the $5 fish filet. It's not sad. You're sad.
0: (laughs) Come on down to the college bookstore where ramen noodles are three for a dollar.
1: Oh, man. Love it. And you're still probably getting ripped off.
0: Probably. (laughs) <laughs> and we add extra sodium because that makes you drink more.
1: Oh, love it. Love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like we need to have like some slow jazz or um <laughs> or uh or or like our friend's jazz fusion band playing bongos in the background while we talk. <laughs>
1: I don't oh, know. Man. We used to have little musical interludes between each topic that was usually in some way related to the topic. Ah, oh, man. Could kind have of missed yeah. that.
0: You're listening to the sweet sounds of my roommate who just learned how to play the ukulele. Ding, 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 ding,
1: ding, 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 ding
0: Now you're listening to the sweet sounds of my other roommate, who's drunk and thinks he knows how to throat sing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now listen to me, because I played the harmonica for two minutes that my grandpa gave me when I was 12. And I'm pretty sure I can make this, you know, palatable.
0: That was amazing. For some reason, I just pictured your head on John Popper's pre-weight loss body. And that <laughs> was just horrifying. <laughs> that guy is an incredible musician. Oh, man. The guy from Blues Traveler. Unbelievable. But I have, like, if you thought, um, what's his name there? From uh, Bad's weight loss was incredible. Damn, John, John, yeah, John Popper went from John Popper to like I think he had surgery, but it was it was incredible because I mean that was like one of their calling cards was you know the the heavy set guy that plays harmonica you know and it's mm-hmm. like whoa John, John Popper like is skinny now what happened and it turned yeah. out he was really it turned out he was really sick but you uh, not not to I, I was a very big guy and still am but for some reason just seeing the picture on your Twitter profile with your head on John Popper's body playing the harmonica. That's what okay. I saw there.
1: My unusually sized head for my very small body <laughs> on, a, on a, you know, I have a big head, but I'm five foot two. I'm a very small person. Like, uh,
0: five foot two,
1: I, you know, really? As Puerto Ricans, we're not a big people.
0: My, uh, um, my wife is four foot 10.
1: yeah you know you know some of us people out here we're just real short and we can't find pants in our size
0: yeah no i i know the struggle there i have a 29 inch inseam even though i'm six feet tall really yeah everything any pant above a 36 inch waist which i range from 36 to 38 depending on you can't get them shorter than 32 inches so yeah
1: yeah like i have (laughs) I have like a normal guy waistband, like a thirty-two. So, like that would be normal if I was like five eight, five ten. But then you know I'm very, very short. So you
0: need like twenty-six inch inseam.
1: Basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So n- now that we're back from our musical interlude, please make sure you go see Random Dave Matthews Band covered on harmonica by Chris and Andy this week at the V Pack. And now back. Spoiler alert.
1: All right. So just looking at some of the topics here. um, (laughs) uh, Let's see. So one of the topics that I had here was, uh, let's see, abusing literary ideas to meaninglessness. Uh, So so stuff like uh, the hero's journey, tropes, cliches, Bechdel test.
0: Oh, man, yeah, let's we'll just go down the list of those.
1: Yeah, the, hero, so... the
0: hero's journey, every film. Doesn't matter if it's a comedy, doesn't matter if it's a drama, doesn't matter if it's sci-fi, horror, or action. Yeah. Done to death.
1: Basically, it's just like, can we make, you know, our movie the most generic movie possible? And we'll think that in some way this will connect to the audience more.
0: Kids films are the worst culprits of this.
1: I know, you know, I it's... It's partly Star Wars' fault and partly every person who has tried to ape Star Wars uh, since then. You know, I feel like George Lucas sort of just never shared any of his influences.
0: Right, and it's it's why John Carter failed, among yeah. other things. is because by, by somehow that movie was what it took people to call bullshit.
1: Yeah, or, yeah.
0: Even there, though John Carter was like it wasn't you know sci-fi novel zero but it was star wars influence zero
1: yeah yeah (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like john carter is definitely like one of the ur texts that ends up influencing what star wars becomes like it's john carter buck rogers and what what's the third one uh uh, flash Flash gordon Gordon. Yeah. yeah
0: he's a miracle andy he'll save every one of us flash ah savior of the universe
1: so yeah (laughs) so yeah no it's uh the hero's journey it's it's frustrating because in for how it originates like for people who don't know, like, in general, what the hero's journey is, you know, it, it's this idea that was formed of, like, looking at various mythologies across cultures on Earth and seeing that there was, you know, various um, common beats to a lot of mythological stories and seeing that, like, oh, like, it's interesting that, like, across cultures, like, the way uh, we have these stories come up is that we tend to hit these certain beats Um, and then George Lucas was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, I kind of want to apply that to my, my weird sci-fi epic space opera that I'm doing. And then everyone else was just like, yeah, I see what you're doing.
0: And I like it. It makes it easy for me.
1: Basically. And it turns out that most people are not, as good as george lucas which as much as we should on george lucas now he's a guy who generally knew what he was doing back then he
0: is an incredible idea man
1: the yeah and
0: he's just got it i mean you you cannot deny him the creation of at least 15 to 20 of the most iconic film characters of all time <laughs>
1: Right, like the the guy generally has you know things you know and concepts like down and part of what makes his movies work isn't just the fact that he adheres to the hero's journey, but that he made it compelling. You know yes. there you know the, the every single mythology on earth is public domain. We haven't had though a million like anubis movies or a million or you know uh perseus movies because for the most part people aren't very good at making them yeah you know and it generally requires like a pretty decent amount of work to make that work because overall the hero's journey is a pretty simplistic uh format for telling a story like fucking the big Lebowski follows the hero's journey that yes, it does you know that doesn't mean that it's good because it follows it it's good because the big it's good Lebowski is a good it.
0: movie it's good in spite of it
1: yeah like the, yeah, and it's, of- it's
0: it's so hard when you go down that rabbit hole to find movies that don't follow that format
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you really think about it like i'm having a hard time right now coming up with, with some there's there's some that subvert it right you know i'd i'd argue that the the guardians of the galaxy films have have fun trying to subvert it it doesn't change the fact that it's a hero's journey story right (laughs) you know like uh, they subvert it by making han solo the anti-hero the main character you know that's
1: (laughs) right like uh and in, in the ways in which uh, Harry Potter ends up becoming a memorable series is by how at the like tail end of that series, it's subverting those expectations and being like, yeah. oh, I like, thought you were the chosen one. Actually, the chosen one was kind of a, a made up idea that was basically just set in stone by whoever the villain went after when you were infants.
0: Yeah, I love that. about right. that. That the most ingenious thing that I mean, outside of the fact that Harry Potter just it's it's bottled lightning of, of ingeniousness. And she, even J.K. Rowling herself has shown that it cannot be replicated. So, right. Please stop. right. Like, <laughs> um, have,
1: yeah, no, you're telling someone who. Uh, has not seen the second fantastic beast but loathes the first one. Oh yeah.
0: I, I watched the first one and can't I won't go near the second one just out of I can't believe that first Fantastic Beast movie is written by and directed by the same people that made the last three Harry Potter movies. Yeah it doesn't like, make any sense four, to
1: me. Like yeah yeah it is not a good movie. Um and like uh like I you know, when people go to bat for it, I'm like, how can you like, that's just not a good movie. Like, well, The
0: other thing is there's a fun story going on in it and it's not the story they decide to tell. It's, it's the perfect example over like if Harry Potter had decided to follow, I don't know, pick any other character besides Harry Potter or Hermione. And- right. Make it be. It's not going to be as interesting because the interesting story in Harry Potter is the hero's journey that gets subverted by a whole bunch of adults basically saying, "Yeah, you know what? We kind of just made this up as we went along, and yeah, all these events were kind of kind of go down without your influence, and you're just lucky. So have fun."
1: Yeah, like kind of uh, like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Fantastic Beast is so frustrating. It is. Like, they decide to follow the character who is maybe in a movie about, you know, wizards, you know, traveling around, like, Roaring Twenties, or is it Thirties America? Yeah, like, it should
0: be the most interesting movie ever made. Yeah, and
1: like, the main character is possibly, if not the the least interesting, like, the second least interesting character that can cast magic in that movie, like... Yeah. Why, why is Eddie Redmayne the main character in that? Why is Newt Scamander the main character in that movie?
0: Right. And it's not even like Eddie Redmayne. Pl- he's I I find him to be annoying in a lot of roles. He's perfectly fine as that character. He's playing that character correctly. It should yeah, be it's, the main character.
1: It, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like. Uh, Who's the Who's his friend in that movie Dan Fogel Yeah
0: and he's fucking great Dan Fogler like almost saves that movie It's just the movie isn't good
1: He's the best character in that movie Besides like Colin Farrell And like uh, Oh yeah
0: Colin Farrell showed up too Yeah I forgot about
1: that Yeah like he's really good in that movie And then at the end of the movie it's like Oh nope he's Johnny Depp And I like that was the moment Where like I just rolled my eyes so hard that I basically was rolling out of the theater. Like, oh my god! Yeah,
0: that was such a bummer.
1: <sighs> I mean, uh, oh yeah, stipulation people. Fuck Johnny Depp. He's a terrible person.
0: Uh, yeah, and that gets more and more confusing every day.
1: It's too. it's it's really uncomfortable that they're keeping him around for these movies.
0: Well, and and did you see, like, it's like, it keeps flip-flopping, and I don't even know who to believe anymore, because it's like, apparently the two of them were super abusive, and so, like, and so it's like, were they both just shitty human beings? Like, I I don't even know what to believe anymore, because no one should get the crap beaten out of them by the other person in a relationship, doesn't matter, but, like, you're giving it to each other, and then going and completely. Complaining about it it's like dude it's, you both need help you both need a lot of help is what it sounds like to me
1: <laughs> it's it seems like a very fraught situation and yeah. in general it um i you know in general it just seems that all signs point to johnny depp is not a particularly good person
0: yeah and
1: how the the cast and jk rowling kind of brushed off the concerns oh, about it just yeah. like yeah of just like oh he seems all right like um yeah, that that seems like it's an uncomfortable work environment
0: and, and not to say that he still can't be in movies and end up being good despite him because what's his head um mr uh, Thor there um and Harry Potter alumni director whose name I'm gonna forget um, did, uh, the murder on the Orient Express and Depp is in that. And yeah, I mean, I he's only in it
1: for like two minutes,
0: but I could also give two shits less. Cause I really liked the movie. Yeah. But...
1: <laughs> it's it's a solid movie and yeah. I tolerate it. Cause he's only in the movie for like two Correct. minutes before he dies. Correct. So but uh, he's
0: also in that part in his career where now he's just guy who shows up with funny hats.
1: Basically it's,
0: <laughs> it's a mess. It's such a, mess. <laughs> I can't.
1: So, I can't stand it as an actor. Oh, I, I,
0: and it's, it's a bummer that it's taken that course, but as, as it is, everybody ends up being a shit bag and, uh, I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, but I'm trying to think, are there any movies really that just flat out don't dive into hero's journey? I I mean, mean,
1: it's the hard thing is, is that the hero's journey isn't wasn't necessarily meant to be a template it was an observation yeah in a theory about like trends in storytelling and mythology so like it's not necessarily like like the fact that so many movies model it is almost like you're just modeling like act structure like it's yeah. not it's not a special like key that opens up you to making good movies no like in the end it just it's it's just not something that ultimately leads to creating good stories like that's not what it's for and for so many movies to try and do that like i'm sure that you do get some movies where like if it does, like, some form of, like, um, you know, non-linear storytelling, you know, or, like, uh, there's, like, multiple main characters, like, things like, I don't know, like a Pulp Fiction or something, maybe, yeah, um, then it doesn't really follow, like, the hero's journey, but a lot of movies but, do.
0: But, again, you, you know, you, you, Pulp Fiction was one I was thinking of in my head, but then um, Bruce Willis's boxer character very much follows the hero's journey in his little snippet
1: you know there's i'm trying it's to think it's so you know, weird right you know there you have like your your call to adventure your refusal your yes your obtaining of the elixir um you know the this and that and it's been an, a little while since like M- i
0: me too that's why it took me a minute to come to terms with it but you know it's he's got the like his bit of the nonlinear story because everybody else's it's kind of like just a snippet of their existence, you know, they're, they're kind of just living a day in their lives, but he happens to live a day in his life by being the one that is, has the most to lose and gain by Marcellus Wallace having something bad happen to him.
1: Right. And
0: then he's the one that has to save him. And, And by doing that also achieves his end goal of his hero's journey. Right. So it's it's kind of weird that even a non-linear very un-Hollywood un-old-fashioned storytelling movie cuz Pulp Fiction is one of the first movie that pops into my head when I think about something obscure from a storytelling format can't help itself. Right. But, but,
1: right and and that's where like the hero's journey as an observation of stories really applies cuz yeah, if you're if you're going to tell like this this movie with like multiple characters and multiple points of view it's understandable that one of those story arcs is going to be a more conventional one and I think it's interesting then that the other ones are unconventional in terms of that but like people don't really like think about that because like they latch on to the one that is like most easily recognizable as something that they can Pin the points to and see the, see the arc of.
0: Right, I'm I'm thinking, and again, I haven't seen this one in a bit either. But I, you know, an obscure movie that probably doesn't follow most of the storytelling tropes would be like Tree of Life.
1: Yeah, yeah, I. It's a Terrence Malick film. Yeah. I've I've been meaning to getting around to see it. I know there's Brad Pitt and there's dinosaurs.
0: Oh, it's a friggin' trip, dude. <laughs> It is a weird one. um. But yeah, no, this is a really interesting one because it, it really took you saying it for it to pop into my head exactly how much. And like you said, a lot of it might come just as a simple observation. Like you said, I doubt the Cohen brothers ever take the easy way out in right. their screenwriting. But the fact that the big Lebowski can have that probably leans that one being more of an observation of how this character plays out. Right. Than anything else. But wow. Yeah.
1: Right, right, and, like, it, it just so often comes down to the fact that, like, it, it doesn't necessarily make the story special that it follows the hero's yes. journey. Because it's the hero's journey should be treated as it is, which is just an observation of the fact that so many stories um, follow very similar beats. not it, it shouldn't be considered a formula, and it right. shouldn't be, like... If you're, like, observing how well a film adheres to the hero's journey and trying to make some quality observation from it, you're doing it wrong, because that's not that's not that's what, not it's, what it's there
0: for. Yes. Right. Oh, man, that's great.
1: Oh, man.
0: These are good topics. Keep them coming. Okay. I'm having fun.
1: So, uh, continuing down, abusing literary ideas to meaninglessness, tropes. Okay, so are you familiar with the website TVTropes.org? I am. Okay, I hate this fucking website. Uh-huh. <laughs> hate it. A lot. I also love it a lot, but I hate it a lot. Um, So, TV Tropes, um, you said you are familiar with it, correct? Yes. Okay, so TV Tropes org For those who aren't familiar with it Is this website that tries to Break down uh, media Pop culture through These very specific um, Tropes so to say Not necessarily cliches um, But just like concepts and ideas That are throughout media So like if I search up uh, Let's search up I'm trying to think of Just like a popular thing
0: Today's one is really good
1: Uh, searching the stalls. Okay. Yeah. Today's featured trope, searching the stalls. A character hides inside a bathroom stall, and to find him, another character enters the bathroom stall and begins a systemic search of each stall, sometimes accompanied by a come out. Come out wherever you are, which is hyperlinked as another trope uh, for people who aren't familiar (laughs) with this website. If it's our protagonist hiding from the villain, then four things may happen, and none of these count as subversions. The villain gets interrupted before he makes it to the hero's stall. The hero escapes unseen by means of an indie hat roll or a thing. Also, these are hyperlinks as well, and his stall is either revealed to be empty or the villain... Failed a spot check. That's another hyperlink in a D reference. Less commonly, the hero surprise attacks the villain before a stall is open, or if the villain is smart and armed with a gun, he'll shoot into each stall, though the hero will likely find a way to avoid getting shot up. So, like, this is an example of a trope in media, and TV Tropes then has various categories below.
0: Uh, I expect in, a shot at foot level at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, of uh, various things by medium, so like, it has it broken down to anime and manga, comic books, film animation, film live action, live action TV, mythology and religion, video games, web animation, western animation. And you can click on things. I'll click on uh, film live action and it starts listing things like Max Payne, cast a deadly spell, Zombieland, with like little summaries of like what happens in the movie. So like Zombie land, our hero has to relieve himself, and to be on the safe side, he searches each stall in the bathroom before doing so.:
0: I love that backwards version of that in zombie land. i I noticed that in originally yeah like, it, like it's it's a, just a mundane task he's checking the stalls to do instead of like you know something life threatening. I, I always liked that
1: right, right. And so like, um TV tropes as a website is not inherently a bad thing. Uh, I should say. Um, So my vitriol towards it is certainly not um, towards, you know, its existence and what it catalogs. Because for the most part, it's a a just for funsies thing. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, let's catalog like these comments, you know, uh, things that we see in in our in our pop culture all the time. My issue with it is how it becomes like, baby film nerds or baby anime nerds first way to like judge media and it's yes ambitious.
0: anything that turns into gatekeeping or judgment it, it, right. it's just it's used wrong if you're doing it that way
1: right like you know it's like oh this uh you know this movie was all right but like it did that thing where like there's not really continuity from when like the hero said like a one-liner and then like later on in the movie like he did something that like he didn't really seem to remember that he did involving his one-liner it's like who gives a shit
0: my favorite one that almost the entire movie going audience knows and uses incorrectly is the existence of jump scares
1: yeah, like treating like, jump scares That's immediately
0: bad a bad thing No, too many is a bad thing Poorly done ones are a bad thing It doesn't mean that they are bad
1: <laughs> Right, like People, people, and I include myself I really love uh, The new It uh, It, yes. one. it yes. has a lot of Jump scares in it
0: Oh, but almost all of them are fantastically Done
1: They're really good, like uh, uh, The Flute Woman in the Synagogue oh, that is so fucking creepy and so terrifying. Or uh, when Pennywise jumps out of uh, the bloody sink um, when, yeah. Be- when Beverly goes into the bathroom. Like, those are jump scares. They're really fucking good jump scares.
0: Yeah, and you can have a really good legitimate jump scare, and you can have a really good false jump scare. But if your movie does too much of either of them, in a poor way that that and that's the trope that people have locked onto but they use it wrong well it would have been a better horror movie if it used less jump scares hold on two of the best horror movies that came out in the last three years get out and us each have a couple of jump scares in them and they're fantastic
1: yeah <laughs> you, like, you know what I mean? you're, you're not upset about jump scares you're upset about bad jump scares
0: yeah and you're trying it, it's like you said you know we've talked about plenty of these things it's like picking one metric to gauge something. I like the idea of these tropes websites because it's a fun way to sit around with your buddies and talk about, Haha, yeah, that's right, that did do that wrong or that is a little bit overdone, you know, not to sit there and go, "Oh, it makes it a bad movie."
1: Right, right. Like this idea that like, "Oh, like because this film did like this uh specific, you know, narrative thing that so many th- things have done before somehow counts as like some check against it some mark against it and no like that's that's just not how observing media works like that's just a, a very poor way to engage with media like if that's how you want to do it like I believe you're just gonna have a weaker experience enjoying media in general
0: it it, it turns it immediately to the cynical and I get I get that some people that just You know consume too much like I can understand movie critics Getting getting annoyed by Tropes and getting annoyed by things that are Overdone over and over again especially If you're going to see a bunch of movies Coming out in the summer because like we said They redo a lot of things but Again that's their job like You You don't have to let it ruin The experience to me I go to movies to Be entertained that's my thing I I There's some that I feel entertain me better, but there are very few movies that I outright hate. And there's also very few movies that I outright didn't enjoy the experience of watching them in a theater, even if I don't end up liking the movie. Right. So that's my first step, you know, to analyzing a movie. And then, you know, you can, you can sit down and dig into them more, but it's people just write things off the minute they see or hear this stuff. Because they buzzword latch onto it, so it's buzzword right. stuff that that
1: right. That it's I, like
0: that almost
1: me. turning movies and video games and TV into like spreadsheets and checklists. Yeah, where it's like if it has too many of this thing, like I just cannot deal with it. And it's like if it has too many of a specific like narrative device that it is maybe used frequently, you're going to be upset by it. Yeah, like what like. It's, it's, it's a very odd way of going about these things. And, like, I will say, like, I used to be, like, a big fan of TV tropes when I was, like, 15, you know? I was into this website. I was also 15.
0: So, like... Right, and it, if you if you used the right way, it can also educate you on a lot of cool stuff. It's like, oh, all right, no, you're right. I didn't notice that that was used all that much. But it's, it's that side of you side of all of our brains that want to turn it into something that allows us to have elitism over something you're trying to be have elitism over your media and and by having that elitism you think that you're better than someone else because you understand it better or you've consumed it correctly and they haven't
1: right and it's like like, no
0: that's not how that works
1: right (laughs) you you know You know, you get these 15 year olds who like they find this website and then like they think they're Neo and they've seen the Matrix now.
0: I have found the end of the Internet and it has shown me everything.
1: Right. They're just like, I see everything now. I see the lines of the code and it's like, buddy, take a film theory course.
0: Yeah, then you then you'll really see the lines of the code and you're not going to like it anymore.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, take, you know, like learn about like new critical theory or something like that or like even just like like just any theory like feminist theory marxist theory like learn something and like then you'll have a really fun time getting really really over analytical about texts
0: <laughs> nice
1: so yeah that's my gripe with the uh, with tropes and tv tropes as a as an idea, as a concept
0: These, you, You've put up together one hell of a list Of <laughs> topics for this thing, man
1: Oh uh, man, I have This is a five-page uh, Single-space, bullet-pointed list of topics
0: Maybe this is something for a future episode Because this might become overblown But have you talked about Or have something on there About a term that makes me really angry Um, the term superhero fatigue, uh,
1: hold up, hold up. It's possible that we covered it. Uh... You probably did. And and we don't have to cover it right
0: now, but if you didn't cover it, that would be a cool topic for a future episode, because I think that falls way into the gatekeeping and cynicism thing where it's like, just because you've seen something a bunch of times doesn't mean if they keep doing it good, it doesn't have a right to exist. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so i don't think we like on my show i think we like talked about superhero fatigue in passing nice but we never covered it as like a topic on its own so well, I,
0: I hear about it a lot because my um my friend who is actually the co-creator of the idea for um right quote wrong movie um one of my favorite movie going experiences of my life was going to see the avengers with him and another buddy and this was a like you know we were he he's he's older and so he's been at this for a lot longer and seen a lot more ups and downs in how film handled superheroes and we were up cheering and laughing and high five and, and then shortly after that something just snapped with him and he just doesn't like movies anymore and so there's all this like, oh, it's just another one of those stupid superhero films and I'm not going. I go, dude, there's sequels to the Avengers and they're as good as that movie. You're going to love it. And he just like has no interest anymore. And it it bugs me. And he goes, I'm just there's too many of them. It's superhero fatigue. And I'm like, wow, really, man, you must not read fantasy novels then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I like I always feel like there's a like always a few like it's usually people who watch a lot of movies that I feel say that um who like feel the burnout and like I was just about feeling it at like the end of 2018 um I think it was like after I saw Into the Spider-Verse I was like wow that movie was amazing like that was really fantastic and then I was like, do I really want to see another superhero movie? I, I I did
0: I did have that same feeling after Spider-Verse. I will I will agree with you there.
1: Yeah, and I I did feel it a little bit after Endgame, but it was more of just like, i I'm um, um, you know what? This was narratively satisfying. I don't really know if I want to see another one of these like really soon. And yeah. actually that's kind of like why I'm just, like, not super excited about seeing uh, Far From Home, even though, like, I relative, You know, I like uh, Homecoming a fair amount. Me too. Yeah. Because, like, right now I'm just like, you know what, like, I'm still liking, you know what? Endgame was a pretty solid ending to all of this, and now I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm just okay with chilling for a while.
0: Yeah, it's it's... It's weird because I feel the same way and not not like out of a that I'm angry that Far From Home exists. It's just like, I, I think I need a little bit more time.
1: Yeah, like... <laughs> like, I want just, to see it
0: and I want it to exist, but I think I need a little bit more time.
1: Right, you know, it's like, you know, the Super Bowl just happened and now it's like, alright, and the next season starts in two weeks.
0: Yeah, insane. So, um we we've been going for quite a bit and I love this. So let's, uh, do you have an, one more topic?
1: Uh, I could do another topic. Let me look here. Cause,
0: cause I am having a blast and we're going to do this again. Cause this is, this is super cool.
1: Oh man. Oh, one of the topics I never covered it. We basically did. It was, uh, stop trying to make everything the hero's journey, but I think we yep. basically covered that. Just
0: stop it now. Don't try. Let it happen naturally.
1: Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Do Let's see. Some of my topics here. Uh. Let's see. I put down, a, you can cry at baseball or any sport for that matter. Uh. The growth of AR from Halos Bees to Pottermore to Pokemon Go. Uh... <laughs> Rick and Morty and Bojack Horseman, The Honesty of Emotionally Devastating Comedy. Oh,
0: man. Yeah, I w- I would love to talk that one, but I need to watch more of both of those shows so I can be better versed.
1: Oh, I'm caught up on both of those. So if you ever get around to it. We oh, yeah. Talk about it. They're
0: um, both so good.
1: Let's see. Let's see. Apple versus Android, Xbox versus PlayStation, PC versus Mac. What Drives the War of Corporate Cult of Personalities uh let's see okay why are nerds so precious about watchmen Ooh,
0: i think that's like a whole episode worth of discussion right there probably damn wow that's a that's a hot button um <laughs> topic if there I mean, is ever no,
1: especially now with uh the hbo show coming out definitely oh, it,
0: it looks really bad in my opinion
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I
0: I, I will say I'm looking forward to it. Like, do not mince words. It just is not exciting me from the look of it. But Uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm Um, definitely looking It's the same. It's the same issue I have with the Lord of the Rings thing that Amazon's doing. Yeah. I'm so excited to see more Lord of the Rings. Uh... (laughs) I just don't want Lord of the Rings by way of Game of Thrones. And that's what I'm afraid they're going to try to do. I'm just
1: like, I'm wondering if it's going to be like, just like Lord of the Rings, the prequel series. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And you can follow along as we fight, you know, Sauron's bad daddy villain mentor.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm worried about. We've seen that. We've seen that not work every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, prequels are just so fascinating and interesting. That's why, you know,
0: every once in a while,
1: that's they, why they're they not the main story.
0: Every once in a while, they work, but it's very rare.
1: Yeah, you know, and then a lot of times you get Fantastic Beasts.
0: Yes, yes. So what so, else? Do you, do you do you have anything else on there that um one? won't get the, the Zack Snyder fans angry at us because I don't need that tonight.
1: Even oh, though I
0: am a Zack Snyder fan. I just,
1: I, really just, I'm actually, I just really not, just like last an, three movies. I'm not an anti-Zack Snyder person either. Um, just not a fan of Man of Steel.
0: I just have an interesting thing. I have an interesting thought that someone's going to hear us say the word Watchmen and we're going to get doxxed.
1: <laughs> I just like, I want to put this out there for all the people. I don't like Man of Steel. I do like Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Um, We good? We good?
0: We're all good? I also like Watchmen, and I like 60% of the movie Man of Steel and would have been really excited if he then gave me a Superman movie after Man of Steel. Yeah, that
1: would have been nice.
0: Because my feelings on Man of Steel was that it was a movie we haven't seen yet, which was a Clark Kent origin story, where, where a troubled Superman needed to learn how to become Clark Kent, how to live on the Earth and learn how to be a moralistic and ethical human. And I was like, Oh, cool. Cool. This is different. I can buy into this. If the next movie you make is what I want, then this will be worth it. And then they made Batman versus Superman. and I went, Oh, really? Damn it.
1: Yeah. They made Batman versus (laughs) Superman, which strangely, despite the title does not contain Superman in the movie. Like it's really odd. Oh,
0: it's, it's just a very bad course of events led to all three of those movies. And I, I really hope he rebounds from it because I think the guy's a great, great visual filmmaker. And every once in a while, the writing and the visuals come hand in hand. And sometimes they don't.
1: Yeah. Like I'm, I'm I, the more I think about it, the more I really wish he was a cinematographer and not a director.
0: Yeah, because... it's, the, it's, the, it's the Michael Bay um con- confounding, right? Where it's like, man, if you only could get a few more handlers that would take care of the parts you're not so great at, <laughs> yeah. you know? Because cause look at how The Watchman turned out. Like, he nailed that. Like, right. <laughs> right,
1: <And laughs> He like... nailed
0: that as well as you were going to nail a movie out of The Watchman. Right.
1: Was... I really hope he ends up bouncing back from something just because, you know... In general, I think he's a very he does have a very distinct visual style that I think is really interesting, um, and can be applied uh, to a lot of different pl- uh, just places, ideas, uh, subjects. And he, has, and he has a really
0: good eye or ear for musical choices in movies too.
1: Yeah, like I I really do want to see more of him. I just think he kind of needs to move away from this.
0: It's, Where... it, it, it wasn't, yeah, not equating the failures in any level because there isn't a Batman movie Chris Nolan made that got anywhere even close to being as bad as man of steel let alone as any of the other ones. But it's, it's, it's the Chris Nolan thing. It's like, all right, this is not for you. Like right. you've told some great stories, but you are obviously not, this isn't, this isn't your bag. Like, right. go
1: Right. Like, not, if,
0: not to take away what he made, but it's like, Zach, dude, y- y- Watchmen was the perfect superhero movie for you.
1: Right. Every like, other
0: superhero movie doesn't have to be Watchmen. <laughs>
1: right. Like, if Watchmen is your uh, your prototypical superhero story, great. But that really means you shouldn't be making a Superman or a Batman movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially Superman. There is no way, shape, or form him. Or Chris Nolan or David Goyer should have been touching Batman and Superman. Yeah, and they just, and they just let them touch them over no. and over and over again. <laughs> like,
1: you know, I want to see like a like a Brad Bird or. Um,
0: oh my god! I want Brad Bird to make so many more live action movies.
1: Like Mission, which one did he do? Ghost he did Protocol. The
0: mission, it was Ghost fucking Protocol. beautiful.
1: Ghost Protocol is great,
0: and I love the last two but I feel like they were a step down in visual quality from Ghost Protocol. I loved Rogue Nation and... Fallout? The End of the World, or whatever it was called, as action movies, but they were more... They were more like Paul Greengrass-style movies, Mm -hmm. and Ghost Protocol just... It had that perfect mix of the John Woo look that he was giving to Mission Impossible 2, but there was this amazing geography about the action sequences that you only get from a director who's done nothing but work in animation his whole career.
1: Right, right. Like, he absolutely has a sense of place. Even even
0: Tomorrowland
1: is that way. I I haven't seen Tomorrowland It's
0: not great, but it's it's that same control. Do you know what I mean?
1: Like, there's a sense that he understands character and their place within architecture in yeah. ways that uh that directors who have not worked in animation wouldn't necessarily understand
0: the same thing happened with uh the guy who made bumblebee he was uh he's travis basically, knight yeah the like a yeah. guy
1: oh yeah oh my god i own bumblebee but i have yet to see it but oh, it's love, fantastic i love kubo and the two strings though
0: yeah, it's it's just it's such a great success story for him because you know, I can't wait to see what live action movie they have him make next because they nearly ruined Brad Bird with Tomorrowland.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> and that wasn't all his fault. He made he made the movie he wanted to make. The movie is problematic, but right. that should not have been as big of a failure as it was. Right. Like, that that'll come back in 10 years or so as another one of those like black hole or Tron Disney flicks that just gets remembered as being a lot better than it was because right. it's definitely problematic, but it's not bad. It's just, it's, um, JJ J. Abrams influence is a negative effect on it. That that helps sometimes it didn't help this one.
1: What's mm-hmm. was
0: That's the best way I could leave it. It's a lot more like um, Star Trek Into Darkness and a lot less the first Star Trek. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Brad Bird, I mean, it's a gorgeous movie.
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, no, like, I I want to see, like, you know, I really just want to see Brad Bird make a live action superhero movie. Yes. You know, I mean... I like I feel like saying him for a Fantastic Four movie is a little too on the nose because we've already nailed it. You know, yeah, I mean, he nailed one of them. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Uh, I,
0: I mean, I, I, I forget who, who, like me, doesn't like the Incredibles 2.
1: I'm not big on Incredibles 2.
0: It's such a bummer because on paper, it should be
1: great. Like, it's very <laughs> just OK
0: yeah it's it's not bad it's just why it's just okay it's 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 just why i just don't i don't see it needing to exist
1: yeah (laughs) so he he made yeah he made one good fantastic form no but i'd really love to see him do a superman movie um you know i think we're pretty well past it at this point but you know Spielberg still has a, a lot of energy in him, but I don't see him really doing a, a superhero movie at this point, unless it was something really unique. I uh,
0: think if anything, that's kind of when he's in his Kubrick end of career phase, when Kubrick started getting really weird. Right. Um, I think that's when Spielberg might come out with it because I think Spielberg is perfectly set up to make a superhero movie. Right. And I think that's why he hasn't done it.
1: Right. Like, everyone knows his sensibilities are perfect for it. We just, like, don't know, you know, what would he do with it? Um, he's already stated that his favorite ones are the Guardians movies, which, yeah. are, you know, not shocking at all. The Guardians not, movies no. Those are, are
0: exactly what he would have made.
1: <laughs> right. Or something very akin to that.
0: Oh, man.
1: I'm trying to now think
0: Now I want Spielberg. So you you're right though. I bet Spielberg making a superhero movie would be very similar to what Brad Bird's live action superhero movie would be like. Right,
1: right. Um I'm just trying to think of other directors I would, you know, I'm ju- I'm just making this a topic now. Directors who haven't done superhero movies that we'd really like to see make superhero movies.
0: You know, that's a really good topic because I, I I've got a few. Um they they've always threatened that Darren Aronofsky was trying to get a superhero movie off. He was the trying gram.
1: to do a Batman movie. Yeah, it?
0: and with... I would have loved to have seen that.
1: See, I'm sick of Batman a bit right, at this
0: point. But this was this was I think before Nolan did his. No,
1: it, his take was really weird. It was going to be like a homeless Batman. Yeah, he like he had a ring with a T and a W that had like. That was supposed to be like Thomas Wayne's initials. And when he punched people, it would leave a mark that looked like a bat. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird I would have watched that. But I um, would love to see him do like a like a question movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right?
1: Yeah, just like a character who's really weird, but kind of like on the outskirts of like the general superhero universe. So like he can kind of play in the sandbox, but like... In his own weird uh, Kind of secluded place of it
0: I would like to see Gore Verbinski Do a superhero movie
1: Oh yeah Yeah something swashbuckly Or maybe yep. something a little more Like a cure for wellness
0: Yeah, Or just another phantom
1: Ooh yeah
0: I think he, he would be A perfect choice For yeah. another phantom Hell, he'd be a perfect choice for another um, The Shadow.
1: Yeah, like one of those very pulp superhero characters. Uh, Dick Tracy. Characters. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. The
0: guy's just got the eye for it, you know? I've, I've always found him to be an interesting director, even in his failures. I've always found him to be very interesting.
1: You know what he could probably do really well? A Green Arrow movie.
0: Oh, yeah, we could try that.
1: That's, you know, immediately, like, a very fun, like, an urban swashbuckler movie. That's my pitch right there. Yeah. I feel like that would be fun. Hollywood, get at me.
0: I feel like that would be fun. I, you know, even though they've they've already gotten Ryan Coogler to make it, I would have always loved to have seen Spike Lee's Black Panther.
1: Oh, man. Marvel
0: never would have let it happen, but I would have loved to have seen that.
1: I would really like to see Spike Lee's Black Lightning.
0: <gasps> now you see, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> now that's the movie he was born to make. <laughs> right
1: but there. then like, you know, he's also made movies like Inside Man. So like yeah. you can make something a little more like espionage you know, a little I... more Spike Lee's Ant-Man. I
0: think it's amazing that Spike Lee, after so many years was able to pull out Inside Man and just be like, oh, you you don't think I can just do Hollywood genre filmmaking? Like, you thought all I did was this other stuff? Here, here's a straight Hollywood genre movie, and i do it better than other people. Here you go. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, wait a minute, what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if Spike Lee had directed Ant-Man.
0: Whoa. <laughs> you know what? If Spike Lee comes out, I'm going to direct the whitest superhero ever. <laughs> wait a minute.
1: I'm directing Paul Rudd.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been great.
1: Hey, man, you know, alternate timeline somewhere. Some timeline had Spike Lee direct Ant-Man.
0: Oh, man. Spike Lee directing Edgar Wright's script for Ant-Man.
1: God, that would have been wild.
0: Now I want Spike Lee Edgar Wright collaboration.
1: Hollywood, do it. Come on,
0: come on. God, Spike, Spike Lee redirecting Scott Pilgrim vs. the world from Edgar Wright's script.
1: Oh, man. I just want to see, like... I I just want to see more Spike Lee stuff. Me too. You know, um, Hollywood did Spike Lee dirty. They, they really... They did. You know, they, the way that he kind of got demonized in the press in general of being like this angry provocateur just is garbage treatment. of Right. Right.
0: Especially when the things he was angry about, he had every right to be angry about them. And he used his art to show that. Yeah. That what we're supposed to do.
1: Yeah. um, (laughs) You know, the treatment of like, do the right thing is this angry movie. It's not an angry movie. It's an incredibly empathetic movie. It's incredibly
0: empathetic and it's incredibly real.
1: Yeah. It's just, you know, empathetic towards certain people who are marginalized and have a very uh, you know, appropriate reason to be angry and upset about things and the movie just happens to care.
0: Yeah, I love that flick.
1: So yeah. Ryan Johnson. I feel like he could make a good superhero movie.
0: Oh yeah. Yes. See, now we're getting back to the part where we're going to get the internet mad at us. I love it. Yes. You know Ryan what, John, Ryan Just coming Johnson. coming out here, would...
1: Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars. Yes, movie.
0: Ryan Johnson would make a great superhero movie because Ryan Johnson is a great director,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and Ryan Johnson made a great freaking Star Wars movie.
1: Oh man. Love The Last Jedi. Just want everyone to know that Andy Rodriguez at SuperTheAndres on Twitter loves The Last Jedi. And Stays at, the at
0: loves The Last Jedi. I used to, for the longest time, end the Chipman Brothers tangent by saying, and The Last Jedi is still freaking awesome, so get off my keys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a great movie. I've never uh,
0: walked out of a theater so happy with the movie and then been so depressed after seeing how people were reacting
1: to it. I have it. never been like felt such whiplash from my own reaction and then seeing other people's reactions online. Like I was like, did we watch two different movies?
0: Yeah, man. And and again, not that I'm not excited for the new one, because my take on the new one is that that trailer was intentionally cut to troll people that didn't like the last Jedi.
1: It I actually, honestly think that as in like, Oh, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to gonna go back think to that old... they're fixing it. Yeah, yeah, to be like, oh, we're bringing back Skywalkers and the Emperor and stuff like no, that. I which think was all is, stuff that made me roll my eyes during the trailer.
0: Yes, it, it made me roll my eyes, but at the same time, it made me go, yeah, it's making me roll my eyes. But I'm also the person who felt who feels, even though they're playing this bait and switch with each other, intentionally to go, no, Ryan didn't really know what J.J. was going to do. And so he could write his script on it. So no, 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 no. Fucking Lucasfilm is a well-oiled machine. These guys were all in – they've been the choices to make these movies the whole time. The only change was that they fired the guy that was going to make the third one and brought back Abrams. That's the only difference. Right. But Abrams and Johnson came up with the core story together. Do you know what I mean? They know what direction they're going in with this. So anybody that thinks that this movie isn't how the third one was going to play out anyway – is being really silly. They're not fixing it to make them happy. They're cutting a trailer to troll your asses.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: that's what I feel they're doing. Granted, not that they're not going to pay off some of the stuff. I guarantee they're going to. But I don't think it's going to be in the same way everybody wants.
1: Yeah, no, you know? that's a really solid take. I mean, in the end, like... As long as the movie ends up not revealing Ray's parentage or doing anything like that, I'll right. be happy. Right. Like, right. Please don't make that, her a Kenobi or something.
0: Just exactly, exactly. I, I told I told my brother flat out that I I that will be the first film in my lifetime I've walked out of, if if they if reveal I, her parents. If they reveal her parents to be anything other than what we've already been told, yeah. nobody's. They can tell us who they are if they want. I'm fine yeah, with it that. Yeah, they can
1: be like, yeah, the, it was nobody raised mom and nobody raised dad because the whole idea i mean the
0: movie the last jedi ends with a bunch of nobody children having jedi powers that's the whole goddamn point they all can't be fucking skywalkers and kenobis yeah yeah
1: that's not how this works the point is that like people who don't have special blood and special family and stuff can do great things like that's right. the and whole mean, point.
0: And, and I get it, a lot of people are angry because they're angry at millennials and they think that we were all brought up to feel that way about ourselves. But you know what? Fuck you. Let let's have let let's try to have a good outlook on the earth. And
1: yeah, the world, like everyone. You, know, you know what? It's not a bad idea that like not having a special last name can st- mean that you can still go on to do important things.
0: Well, what I what I hope they do, not only And again, I don't think we'll get there now that we only have one movie left, but I would have liked if they were just full on like, no, Ray legitimately is the frickin, you know, thing that was, um, you know, uh, told about by the freaking thing and we had it wrong with the freaking skywalkers and it wasn't freaking vader and everyone from that fucking bloodline is going to turn bad sorry that's why kylo ren is the way that he is and this person is really the chosen one that will bring balance to everything and seen
1: yeah or you just know like, I... <laughs> if you inherit or just like the idea of like oh yeah if you believe in a chosen one uh it just makes everything fall apart like yes, yes. yeah like and it's the believes- harry potter thing Yeah, Anakin believed he was the Chosen One. It all fell apart. The Jedi believed he was the Chosen One. It all fell apart. Luke literally
0: had to cut himself off from the world because he almost murdered his student. Like, how
1: do people not find
0: this shit compelling?
1: You know, his nephew (laughs) believes he's important because he's the grandson of the Chosen One. He turns evil. You know, it turns out that, like, Star Wars has always been a narrative about how the chosen one is a bad idea.
0: Right. We need to find a new way.
1: So yeah, that was fun. So Yeah.
0: Now it wow. is very late.
1: Yeah. yeah. Do you want to wrap things up? Cause I need to shower and yes. get ready to go yes. for work.
0: I do. I have to do the same thing. So I, I, you know, want to thank you again, Andy. And I'm, I'm hoping that you are as much fun as I had, um, I had reliving, reliving your show. Um, and please get in contact with me and we will do this again. This might just become a regular bit for a while. We'll, we'll, we'll do these every fun. couple of months. It's a lot <laughs> so, of fun. Um, so with that, um, thank you, Andy, for shooting this shit with Chippa.
1: And we'll talk to all of you guys soon. Have a good night. Have a good night.